Life has an everlasting set of turns, pitfalls, and crevices to partake in or fall through. My friends, everything ends, but everything begins, and tomorrow, for many of us, is that day. Read these words as not only a history of what you are part of, but more importantly, as a visceral sign that you are overtaking an obstacle with will, passion, and love. Fight on, not only against the iron and the stone, but also for those that believe in you and care for you deeply. For we do not know who will be gone tomorrow without seeing what you can do today. Feel pride as you step on the battlefield tomorrow as a building block to not only your own tales of war, but as a part of a sport and world that has saved so many of our fucking lives. Take a moment. Breathe it in. Exhale out. Look deep within and accept that you may be alone for this moment, but tomorrow you are part of history. Welcome to Miami's baddest. MDLP. What's going on, guys? This is the Battle Axe Podcast. Your gracious and humble host, MDLP, with my beautiful, handsome Baron of the North co-host, Johnny Banks. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. First of all, shout out to these microphones for being amazing. Oh, my God. I mean, it just this this object in front of my mouth is making everything so much better. <laughs> we are makes me want to make phone calls again. <laughs> is that weird? Again. <laughs> yeah. Is this what's sponsoring our show? Again, Shout out to everybody who supports us. First and foremost, the Battle Axe Gym and the Battle Axe ca- uh, Clan. For everybody behind us, BV305. Again, a big portion of what we do is supported by them and that family. And, of course, a special shout out to Gabby Jr., Fight On Little Brother. We are 100% behind you. This episode is de- dedicated to you. So, pushing forward. We are actually going to do a whole one of us talking this time, which is great. Um, I always feel like it's our strongest episodes, except, uh, you know, like famous people. Fuck those guys. Yeah, whatever. We're going to go ahead and recap Miami's baddest. Now, I was asked a lot about what we felt, um, which is great to have you here, John, for first, because you actually competed in it. You knew, you knew what it takes now. You wait to see both sides. Yeah. The side that puts on the show and the side that participates <laughs> in it, which is fucking dope. Um, I didn't write anything on it. Because I was saving everything for today. So I think yeah. we're going to really um, give a big a big part of our opinions. And I think, importantly, really how I feel, despite we wrote some articles on it. Um, there's three articles at the website, thebattleaxion.com, if you want to check those out. Obviously, name-dropping myself. But also, it gives us a chance to give us a big thank you to our sponsors and everybody who's helped us out. Um, CrossFit Kendall, I can't thank you guys enough for putting up with our shit for four years in a row and being a gracious host. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, our charity of choice, Bet Paul, which I mean, that's what a freaking what a door to open and yeah. what a big part of that. We're going to discuss that in a little bit. Um, and then, of course, everybody who, who was part of this situation, BV305, Vanilla Gorilla, Iron House, Church, tons of you guys, which I've given very big respects to, not only personally, but also putting you on the event shirt. If you found the place on that event shirt, not only did you pay for it, so thank you for uh, sponsoring this event, but you're part of something special. And the coolest thing this year, um, including the National Guard, which is awesome, that every single person on that shirt was together. They know each other. We're part of something. It's not like just random pharmacy down the street. Like to (laughs) see that logo this year after four years and being like, these are all my homies. It's like, now we fucking made it, you know? Sure. So a big a big shout out to all that. So I'm I'm super excited to to continue today because I have a lot of shit to say actually. 
And it actually uh, really shows off the growth of where they've become because it's not easy to uh, be the financial support. So they've grown enough to where they can offer the money to yeah. be a sponsor on the shirt, which is cool. Yeah, exactly. Right. Before <laughs> it was like, oh, can I give you like, can I put a little bit on it? A little <laughs> monthly payment and I put it on layaway? I'm like, no, man, <laughs> I grew up on layaway. It sucked. It's it a lie. It's paid. how my mom <laughs> told me how to get something. I never got it for Christmas. <laughs> Ever. Ever. Stupid trains. <laughs> <laughs> they never happen. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was quite the event. Amazing. And uh, I'll back all those thank yous very much. Um, I think you did an amazing job as a host. And that's just not because I'm, you know, it's us, but whatever. Uh, but I did want to talk to you because I, I think that the process of picking a charity is kind of a challenge, especially because you have a lot of charities that say they're doing things. Um, and then you dive into the percentages of what's actually donated and that gets really hairy. And then there's a ton. And, uh, I know that with you uh, being not connect connected to a ton of things, but an advocate of the right thing, mm-hmm. uh, was it? Did you find it really challenging to pick? So that's a good question, actually, and something I was really looking forward to. I believe, and I've always believed that it's always quality over quantity. I think a lot of us agree on that, sure. um, especially when it comes to representing your brand and your business. I have always been extremely elitist of who I tag and who I walk with. There was an old saying when I was growing up, my mom used to say, Dígame con quien andas y te digo quien eres, which is basically who you walk with. Tell me who you walk with and I'll tell you who you are, mm. which I used to hate <laughs> because I was <laughs> like, oh, you know. It was mostly to stay away from my gangster friends, basically. Yeah. And I was like, no, you don't know me, you don't understand me. But obviously as you get older and you're in different situations, you start to make these sayings a part of you. Sure. And you make them yours and a big thing, just like keeping the wolves at bay, which I mean, we'll talk about later. But I decided that when I grew my business um, that I would leave Michael Delapavo at home and this MDLP character and the battle axe stream was going to be who, who I walked with. And more importantly, my lifters and who they walk with. Mm-hmm. So working with charities and, and uh, uh, like affiliating myself with people that I believe in is a big choice for me. Right. Like I, of course, there's some like Nicholas Children last year, they're. They're a huge charity. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a thousand dr- dollars that we raise. Oh, I'm super proud. Is a drop in the bucket, but the effort sure. certainly is not. And uh, I mean, I'm connected to helping with children in the hospital, but it, I wanted to be a part of that because Nicholas Children is a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, I wanted something a little closer to home in a sense where I can hit like two birds with one stone and two amazing things, two rhinos with one stone. If you want to get into it, yeah. See, what um, you did there. <laughs> see it? Whatever. <laughs> it's the, it's the it's the energy drinks. <laughs> That we're not sponsored by. Bang, looking for you. Um, and I looked up what ended up happening, actually, Johnny, is that I always, you know, always tag Baby Rhino on my Instagram. Yeah, sure. And somehow, somewhere, somebody tagged me or something came up on my thing where I saw these people saving rhinos. I said, cool. I started getting behind, like, rhino um, pres- preservation farms and, and, and stuff like that. And they came up. Right. But they were different. Obviously, I saw, like, armed soldiers and their message. And I'm like, wow. So Vet Paul is a is an organization that helps fund and train and send trained American veterans to actually protect these sacred lands of rhino, elephant, and wildlife. And not only do they make nightly rounds, actually got to train with a guy tonight, Harry, shout out to you, um, that works for Vet Paul and is a strong man. Wow. So I got to pick his brain a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah, it's dope. Uh, good guy too. So what do you guys do out there? Well, they patrol, they look out, and they also teach the forces out there. Oh, they actually cool. help them train. You know, a lot of these guys are just, 
like poor African residents with like literally a flashlight and a machete at night in hundreds of acres in the middle of an African night, hoping that they don't either get messed up or that they can't stop them. You can imagine. It's really the odds are impossible. Yeah, imagine but trying to protect a, a couple animals that can kill you. Yes. From people that want to kill it. With a butter knife. And these <laughs> fools have like sniper rifles. A on slingshot. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's a, that's what they do. So not only are we helping American veterans, which again, I'm a big believer in helping Amer- American veterans, but with purpose. Right. You know, sure. not painting them martyrs. And if you ever talk to a veteran, they don't want to be painted that way. Like, woe is them. 100%. They want a task. Yeah. And these people are giving them a task of what they're good at. And now you're helping keep these endangered animals preserved against scumbag poachers. That right. difference between a hunter and a poacher is a poacher's letting these animals suffer, like yeah. literally suffer out. Um, and I'm not going to get into the dichotomy of necessity and the whole politics of it, but it's fucking wrong. So when I found out they do this, I was like, wow. You know, I even said it, Johnny, like nine months ago, I'm going to work with this fucking company. Watch. And, you know, they had been blown up because some dude went to Africa and was, like, you know, all over the place. I'm like, damn, they're getting really, really popular. Oh, I go, it doesn't matter. You know, you see the guys on Instagram, you're like, oh, they'll never respond to me. I'm like, bullshit. And I, three months ago, I started pegging them in the DM, like, slipping the DM. I'm like, man, maybe <laughs> if I send them a fucking nude or something. And look, lo and behold, we started working. I started talking to Fia for marketing. Pete, shout out to you as well, one of the head guys up there. Yeah. They contacted me with Ryan, who actually owns the organization, and in. And fuck, man, I feel really good. We raised over $1,200, and we're still raising funds because we're selling some of the shirts yeah. to the to the lifters. And it's our biggest, we raised $1,200. So it was our biggest fund ever in the last four years. I mean, year one, we raised like 250 year two, like four, then 1000 and now 1200 plus because we're bringing in more, more revenue. Right. And it was a badass cause, man. And that's what <laughs> we wanted. We wanted something I can feel, I feel a part of it. You know, not just like I'm sending this empty check to some corporate fucker, like, this is something we're moving together in. So that was a pretty clear line for you then. There was no, you didn't have kind of a toss-up of charities. You were kind of stuck between like, ah, you, you seen that uh, nine months ago, you said? Yeah. It, and that was it, huh? It was, <laughs> it was. Like, I don't know, like love at first sight. Like, I love this. Yeah, this is sure. something awesome. And um, primarily, their, primarily their posts, their messages. I did a lot of background. Yeah. I asked a lot of veterans about them. They had good things to say. There was no like, you know, their funds don't go anywhere and blah, blah, blah. I'm sure. like, dude. And, they're, you know, they're actually showing that they're out there. Yeah. Like, hey, we're all out cool. here. Yeah. So I thought that was amazing on that aspect. But really cool. And, and like we like what we want to bring up, too, where do these funds go? And speaking to Fia, she's, like I said, the marketing, I asked her, I go, well, what are we going to do with this money? Like, yeah. I'm very straightforward because sure. this is business now, you know. Right. I don't want to just feel like I'm throwing money away for nothing. I want to feel like I'm, I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. She's like, Absolutely. I go, I even said, I know you guys can get heavy funds, but what are we doing with this particular amount right now? Yeah, sure. And it was, the response was immediate. Like, hey, yeah, well, what's going on now is a lot of the African forces that are trying to patrol don't even have proper shoes, clothing, fatigues. They're going out in sandals. They don't have bandages. They don't have uh, water. I mean, there are a few guys that are volunteering just because they, they want to do this. They want to preserve right. their land. There's a high level of pride in South Africa. Imagine so, uh, trying to convince people to do that here. R- yeah. Like, hey, be a volunteer police officer. We're not going to give you a gun, <laughs> a badge, or anything. You get a whistle and a wooden gun. <laughs> go stop crime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go stop. You know, go clean up the beach. You know, it, it takes like a freaking, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So they're out there doing this. And that right now, our immediate funds, which we sent, is going to go to that particular group. Also, trying to get more boots on ground, like more funds being raised to get our guys out there. Sure. 
Because the presence alone, speaking to Harry about that, just the presence alone is a deterrent. Right. It's not like you have to have hairy firefights. Those are different areas. Just seeing that there's special forces guys and American soldiers out can really deter these poachers. And that's huge. So if we keep raising funds and doing better, we're winning that aspect. The idea is that poachers are not usually trained military or Mm. trained hunters or anything. They're just guys out there trying to make money, right? Right, exactly. So, I mean, a couple of trained dudes training other dudes. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah, sure. Well, it was, it's, it's been an incredible charity. You know, the one thing that uh, working with DV that I did find is um, the toughest thing about asking people or asking from people is asking for time or money. <laughs> what? Which is yeah. Correlation. And I, I think that's what made this event really special is because obviously on behalf of the clan, time. Right? Yeah. Time. Right. That's such a good Precious, precious time. In and then from everybody who participated, uh, all your spectators, money. Right, which, uh, as we know, as cliche as it is, time is money. 100%. And you're right. The correlation is huge. If you if you really think about it, and it's something that I brought up during the event, and I, cu- I love being on the mic, obviously. I yeah. love attention, dummy. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, I've noticed that when you have MCs at shows, sometimes there's a disconnect, right? You hire an MC. It's like yeah. hiring a mercenary. They're there to put on a show, but they don't know the show. Right. Some of them don't even know the lifters or the stories behind each lifters or the story behind the show. Sure. And that's why I get on mic. I would prefer, I promise you, to not have to stress out about running the biggest show in Florida with all the things that can go wrong on the mic when I have to be paying attention and put it on. I would rather sit in the audience, enjoy a nice drink, eat food, kiss babies, shake hands, Shake or shake babies and kiss. Babies and kiss. <laughs> yeah, you're so I good. Get it. I get Simpatico. <laughs> um, and do that. But I know that getting on that mic, I can talk about, hey, man, appreciate these loaders. Yeah, sure. Keep the bathrooms clean. Uh, support the show. Get up. Cheer on. Dude, look. They crushed it in the bathroom. Did bro. you see it? Was, I have never seen cleaner bathrooms in my life. I was going to eat off the floor just to prove a fucking point, but I'm like, <laughs> no, Michael Mercer, stop. <laughs> uh, dude, I was like, that's my biggest thing with getting on the mic. For example, knowing your story, yeah. you know that I'm there. But I know you. I know my lifters. I know people that, man, I don't even know or don't like or don't care about because I know their story. Yeah. And I'd like to bring that up. You know, former Florida strongest man, you know, he came back from back injury. You know, he tore your calf this way. This this is a big lift for him. He failed it. I love being a because I know when I competed, I wanted them to know my story. Yeah. That's what I want you to know. Don't judge me for my performance only. Because it's important, but not only, like, know me from my story. And that, coming back to what we talked about, time is money, we had about close to 30 volunteers. It was ridiculous. We had all our black and yellow gang gang shirts, which I love. (laughs) Um, And it was a sea of that. And that makes me kind of emotional because we started with six shirts, and now we have over 200 out in the world. So sick. (sighs) It is really cool. Um, And these guys are coming in on a Saturday, taking time off, from their families, their work. They could be making money and doing no more things to work fucking hard from 4. Th- we got there at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. And we packed and we're having beers and relaxing about 6 p.m. Yeah. For free. For the love of the culture, a love of the sport, and more importantly, for the love for everyone else. Like yeah. the, the community of the sport. And it's th- it's the same response every year. It's, I love this. Yeah. Well, I you love know, it. um, and I, I've <laughs> standing there on the other side, not sitting mm-hmm. in the crowd. I didn't 
I got a lot of time to take in what was happening. And, uh, you know, I, I hate giving you compliments because I feel like I compliment you so much and it pisses Stop. me off. I love it. Keep I want going. you to suck at anything. Feed please. Me. <laughs> Go. Well, uh, try pool. I'm <laughs> I suck at that shit. Um, but yeah, the one thing that I really, really dug uh, was your connection to the lifters as, as they were lifting. Um, you could see the uh, physical reactions of missed lifts or made lifts. Yeah. Like fist pumps and stuff and you're also trying to MC a show <laughs> which was great because it's like man this guy's really connected and it wasn't just your people or me it was everybody who no matter what gym they came from you were behind them and even if you don't know them you were behind their story you were behind the sport right which oh, is what you. makes it great oh, thank you man and I, I'll tell you what um I think that's a cool thing that you you take time to look at that. I think sometimes as an athlete, you don't, you're not aware of your surroundings. So thank you for being observant, first of all, because I've gone competitions where I don't know anything about the event. My yeah. mind is so focused on lifting that it's like you're not taking a moment to appreciate. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, besides you and a few uh, many others, to be honest, to they appreciate. It felt like when people leave Miami's, you have such an appreciation for the event. Yeah, not only just because it was awesome, but the audience, the energy, and yeah, man, I, I am in there with you guys, especially the guys that I, I know personally. Yeah. I know what that feels like. I am so pumped about people getting some shit, yeah. and I try not to cheese. You can see me jumping like a little oh, boy, I'm and I'm like, yo, Mike, stop it. <laughs> I'm like, no, that was stupid, whatever. <laughs> but it, and, and what's cool is, and I, so a lot of things that we don't, a lot of people don't know, we have a meeting early in the morning. I mean, I remember year one, we had like nine people, so setting up took like two hours. Now we have like 25 people at five in the morning, and we set up takes like 40 minutes, which is insane. Yeah. So we sit down, and we have like a group, like a, a meeting, and I sit everybody firmly but passionately. I'm like, look, the show is each and every single one of you, from the person loading the plates to the person on the clipboard to the judge's table. Every single one of you is a working cog of this machine. Mm-hmm. you cannot fail me, and I cannot fail you. This is not a me and my show. It's an our show. Why? How you load the plates is being watched. Mm-hmm. How you react, how you pick up the sandbag, your fucking facial reactions when you're told to do something is being watched. Mm-hmm. If you're doing everything with passion and excitement and love like you want to be here, the audience reflects it, and that's why that fucking show is different. Yeah, Everyone loading a plate wants to load the fuck they want to be a part of it. they want the lifter to get that you can see the loaders like ah like fucking losing their yeah, shit yeah yeah <laughs> and it's it's incredible because you as a lifter you're you're like yes these people give a shit they're not just loading plates because you're fucking you're you're being told to do that like and you're angry about it yeah and i told them i said if i see you eating shit not knowing what's going on i should be able to come up to any one of you and go where are we at what number are we at? What's that keg? And you tell me immediately because the show is only as strong as its weakest link. Right. If you are failing me, take off my fucking colors and leave the show right now because you are disrespecting us and you're disrespecting the lifters. If you load, if you're just like fucking around, like not paying attention, having a bad face, I'm like, it doesn't matter whether you like that motherfucker or not. Mm-hmm. You are into it. I'm not asking you to be ridiculous. Sure. And that was a comment that I heard from the, it was like, man, it was incredible watching your lifters. Even the, the competitors are like, dude, you're, that culture, like everyone was into it. I go, yeah. because everybody wants to be there. 
And yeah. if they don't, I tell them to fuck off. Yeah. I don't want you wearing my colors. I don't want you being part of this. Sh- if you don't want to be here, dog, go. Don't be here. Yeah. I mean, I won't forget because I'm a ratchet Colombian and I'll bring this up in five <laughs> months. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? You yeah, as a competitor, sure. right? What did you feel when you lifted? Like, what, did, what was the energy you felt, right? <laughs> uh, it was, uh, you know, for me it was, uh, I thought I was going to be super nervous. And I really wasn't. And I think it's part of because I was surrounded by so many people I knew mm-hmm. that it was like... Home. Yeah. So uh, the reason why I slowed down and I really paid attention to things was actually because you and uh, Skip, who's actually uh, Mr. Villain on Instagram, he's, he's from the New Orleans chapter, uh, co-captain. And both of you, in not so many words, had said, you're never, ever going to feel this again. So take your time. And so I was just standing in line waiting to go and just like I could smell the chalk. Mm-hmm. I could I could feel the energy like I could like taste the sweat like everything was heightened to a level of like a hundred. And it's funny because I only know how to explain it in kind of like how a movie happens. So the... I would say the pre- the deadlift was like it almost felt like the how the warm ups ran. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they were on it. Your people were on it. Like <laughs> that was awesome. Three seventy five on a bar. Who? And then you know, guys put their hands up. It was like three seventy five down the line, <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. ding ding ding, little ants walk up, boink, pull. <laughs> it was awesome. And then they just rotate out, and then it's like four hundred on the bar, four hundred on the bar, yeah, and then you know, action, yeah. So, um, the deadlift, I ju- I knew that was gonna be a pretty decent event for me. I knew that I I expected to be somewhere in the middle of the pack because deadlifts are usually strong for almost everybody. Yeah, it's like everyone's favorite shit too. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. And it's cool. It's a it's a cool lift. It's a cool feat of strength. So, uh but where I really really like everything turned on was actually the the press medley. Yeah. Um it was like looking around and I'm watching the chalk fly off people's shirts. The effort on that um, K, huh? Oh, and yeah. Oh. So uh, like minutes before, which is still my favorite moment at the show, is not my moment. Mm. It was Nikki's press. Yes, if you, awesome. it's funny because she has a picture of it, and if you look in the background, I'm like, <laughs> you like do it like a 1980s straight cheer. Rocky face, yeah. like curved lips, yeah. disgusting <laughs> mini stroke face. So I just that had just happened, and then it's like time, and I'm standing there, and like the. It's like the lights almost dimmed mm-hmm. and the sound turned down. And I hear, athlete ready. Timer's ready. And then the only way I can describe it is, do you remember Fast and the Furious 1? Yes. I can't believe we're going here, but go on. You're welcome. Um, I love that Dom movie. Toretto, yeah. guy. Yeah. You want to pay your race for pinks? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, when he first hits the turbo and they do that cool, like, graphic mm-hmm. where you watch the fuel go and then it hits the injectors and it's like, pop, 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 pop. Yeah, yeah. That. It's like... As soon as I put my hands on the implement, it was like, yeah, and uh, then everything just, it was like looking through like a black ring. All I could see was Alan's face, mm-hmm. his hand. And then that's it. And that's it. Ugh. I couldn't hear anything. I literally was not hearing him say down. I was just watching it. the hand I, movement. I, 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 I mean, from a coach's perspective, that's why I always say, look at the judge. Yeah. You know, you're in that, what well, we talk about people reference that what you're talking about, they reference it as the void. 
Okay. Uh, Dave Tate has a really cool uh, talking about that. But in powerlifting, the void is could be you know five seconds because the lift takes five or six seconds, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more. In strongman, it could be obviously sixty seconds, <laughs> and obviously that's a long time, ladies. Second of all, <sighs> so impressive. So what yeah, an athlete. Well, whatever, <laughs> but you you're in this void for a long time. Yeah. And it's kind of this weird feeling. I remember a lot like fighting, too. It was rounds after rounds. And there's sometimes where you're like, I don't even remember throwing that combination. You're just in that void, that that presence. Yeah. Whenever I think of, uh, whenever you say uh, athlete ready, t- I don't say it a lot because like putting up your dukes, I get goosebumps. Yeah. And today I was I was throwing today on Sunday. And like I needed to be cued. We were training with Harry. Like when you say it, like I wouldn't say athlete ready times. I'm like athlete ready, and you're like, and I'm even talking about I get emotional because at one point I thought I'd never hear it again, which is crazy. But even right before that last throw, I'm like, I need that fire, and that's like a a, like when you're like the green light going to red light going to green light, if you Mm want to put it to me. But I always feel like um, you. I don't know if you remember, but Hurricane Andrew struck us in the '90s. Um, I was young enough to remember. I think it was like eight. Sure. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been through Eye of a Hurricane, but when the Eye of the Hurricane hits, we all went outside, obviously, because of we course. were getting battered for four hours, and suddenly everything's like, remember? Yeah. It's like, well, we step outside, and it's that, like, it, it literally is like, and it's like, you're almost surrounded by a living thing. It's the eeriest thing in the world. For those of you who've never been through a hurricane, first of all, I hope you never go through one. Yeah, It's terrible. Number two, it is a living, breathing machine. It's like you're surrounded by a leviathan. Um, and we're sitting there, and you can feel almost this wave around you. And I feel that when I go up to the implement, like this kind of thing around me that I can't. It's a living, breathing creature, a monster, bigger than life. And I feel it around me. like, And I can feel it going through my veins. Even talking about it right now, I feel like I'm going to crush something. And I get into that moment. I remember I'm very vividly like you can start only see like everything starts to get like a dim and it's like a and you can feel like this is coming alive like we need to get back inside yeah you know like we are outside (laughs) we are in danger you know you can't help but open your doors and check things obviously everyone did and you're like and it starts to get closer and closer and build momentum and before you know it you're in it again yeah and that void that eye of the hurricane which i've referred to other times i feel it when i'm about to lift it is this you hype myself up you know, you can put on whatever song you want. You take them, but there is a split second right when you grab that implement that you're very calm. Uh huh. That is fucking the best. I can. I would. I when I thought I lost it, that's what got me back. That even fear, like my eyes water, or I'm nervous, or I'm calm. It doesn't matter. We don't know because a storm is a living thing, right? Yeah. You don't know if it's two seconds, ten seconds, but suddenly you're in it and you hear "Athlete ready" and. You're alive with this presence, and you're like, timer ready, and you're like, fucking, this is it. This is my time, and then you're in the storm again, Yeah, and you're fighting for your life, yeah. right? Like, that's how I feel it. You know, it's funny how we, we have similar stories, but you can ask anybody yeah. that's been in there. They have their own thing. Sure. You know, like, the, you know, you, you see the, the nitrous going in, <laughs> this building fire, this combustion, if you will. Yeah. And I always, I always picture myself as this. I, and it, it's not always the same, you know. I, was like, I always think about a little different stories. but, And I'm sure in a year or two, I'll have a different comparison. It's you know? funny because you actually, you on the mic pulled me out of the blackout on the farmers. That's right. Because I got like, 
I got like maybe 45 feet in. Mm-hmm. And I, you said, you're like, oh, the sniper gets you, right? Yeah. So I'm like 40 feet, hit 45, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> and I start like waving over, and, and you're like, get to the cone. I pass the cone. I put the farmers down, and everything starts turning off. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. And I start looking, and like everything's blurry out of the corner of my eyes. And it's like, pick it up, Johnny. It's just pain. And I look at you, and I'm like, and I pick him back up. I'm like, that's awesome. That's a cool perspective. And then all of a sudden, it just like turns off, and my body just goes, yeah. And like, I just felt every little ounce that I had saved just go, and just peel out of me. And that was it. And then you're done. But it was such a, yeah. And it's funny because in training, Training for that event was like 90 seconds of this? Fuck you. <laughs> I totally wasn't thinking about that. And then you're standing there and you're waiting and you're looking at the kegs. And it's like, this is just 90 seconds. It's only 90 seconds. This is my opportunity to be great for 90 seconds. seconds. And yeah. as soon as... I it, you know, Then I'll tell you what. So I'll... A lot of things that people don't, I haven't talked about, obviously, only real close colleagues that helped me build the show. I started thinking about, I'm already thinking about next year. I started thinking about next year's show in March, um, but never passed what's going in front of me. Sure. The ability to persevere is the definition of strongman. Uh, to fight forward, and I, I wrote about it a lot. Uh, and I always say it's just pain because often the. M- the better strong man is the one that can take the most pain. Yeah. Now, as a younger man, I felt that that was all physical. As an older lifter, um, not necessarily old, but much but older, it's the Seasoned. it's the pain outside. Yeah. The not being a part of something, of being injured, of saying no to hang out, hanging out, of waking up tired mm-hmm. and hurting, going downstairs, and not being able to complain because we chose our path. You yeah. know, there's a weird feeling it's the pain of keeping going forward of of knowing that you can't quit that's right not that the, oh I'm, uh, i think i won't know like you have this it's not over until it's over thing and right. it's over when i say it's over and i i felt when i i was i've built the burden run since show one because i've always loved max distances or carries because they prove courage yeah that is when you see people who love the sport and people who are doing the sport yeah and being a competitor and being in the audience, you and as being as a person that was visu- literally watching everyone go, you can see the people that are willing to quote unquote die to yeah. go forward. And that, that trench building, that line in the sand to go forward transcends into life. I cannot be more specific and more passionate that if you don't train to fall forward, you will not push forward. And I said it. And I, uh, people laughingly said, well, if you go until you die, quote unquote, you will fall forward because that's how you typically black out and you will gain another inch. And I go, that's the difference between first and second place. And yeah. it, when it came out to half a point, it's fucking going to happen. Can we talk about that right now? Yes. Because you had two of that. Yes. <laughs> Tiebreakers, oh bro. God. I was like, it's not going to. Johnny. I made this show so there wouldn't be a fucking tiebreaker. I wrote in the me Instagram, <laughs> uh, Instagram Live, you said, you know, drop your questions. And I go, in the event of a tiebreaker, what will the event be? Because we've seen it at nationals. Yes. And you're like, 
Well, I highly doubt it. But. Yes. <laughs> See how sassy I was? I'm like, Jesus, John, it took me some fucking hold or something because I'm not doing split times. So I was really annoyed by that. Yeah. And there was two. Oh, they and of course, so good. And that is like, the cool thing is that both, well, JT and Reed, great competitors. Yeah. Both of them really want it. Yeah. Then you had uh, Brandon and Josh. Yeah. Both of them really want it, yeah. you know? And it was going to go until they until you until you go. Yeah. And the holds are, first of all, terrible to do a hold at the end of the competition. Competition, You're so fucking wrecked. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I was like, there can't be a fucking tie. Everything. <laughs> and look, you know, obviously it came down to, it came down to one rep, one foot, yeah. one second. Yeah. I mean, it came down to that. They wouldn't have been a tiebreaker. And uh, and look, looking back, you know, it could have went any other way. You know, it could have went the opposite of how it ended because they, they made that one foot. Yeah. And I told everyone when I used to say that stuff, they're like, no, I go, no, I'm not exaggerating. When you lose from a tiebreaker or when you lose from half a point, Ugh. your heart shatters. Yeah. And it's a rage you don't forget. And then you start getting that attitude of this is why we fall forward. This is why we, more importantly, this is why we, I always said in my argument, is why we die forward. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm a morb- I have a morbid sense of humor. I think we both do. Same. <laughs> That's why we're besties. But Twinsies. I tell you the important part. The term death, I'm not going to sit here and tell you a literal story like a Edgar Allan Poe bullshit, but if you have that mentality to die forward, like I will push myself until I can't go, until I quote-unquote die, and I'm saying quote-unquote because I'm doing the shit with my hands, but I literally mean it, you fucking go until you fucking die, and you train your body like that, your mind becomes resilient to failure. Yep. You become resilient to life's hardships because you're like, well, this is not going to fucking kill me. So I'm going to go forward. Okay, I got a lot of bills, but you're not going to die, bro. And you're going to keep going until you do, right? Yep. And that is why we designed the burden run, because I want you to fucking suffer. Yeah. There was no, that's it. They're like, why'd you do it? Because I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself, so now you're going to hate it too, you know? And I remember um, doing max distances. I've always fared well in max distances. Yeah. Early on, because of my athleticism, I came into strongman very athletic, very weak. I still don't consider myself very strong, and I'm trying to get my athleticism back. Yeah. But it was my will to win that would always press me on these carries. And I can care, I guarantee, I remember one show was 2014. I was on a fucking streak. I had won like three shows in a row. We did one, Fort, Fort My- not Fort Myers, maybe Fort Myers, I forgot. It was a dungeon, it was a dungeon show, dungeon classic, they called it. Anyways, I remember my buddy, they called himself Thor. He's still he's still lifting now, but he was a great carrier. And I went I went last in that event. And he carried I think it was a two hundred pound sandbag, don't quote me. He carried it for like three something. And it was just back and forth, fifty, 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 fifty. Then my turn came and I remember going, Well, there's only two ways out. Either I lose to this person or I'm gonna die. I'm gonna go until things go away in my life and my lights and I'm out. And I remember carrying it, and I have it on a video. I'll send it to you. It just, just go. Let's go and yeah. go. And you can see when your body starts to shake and everything. And I'm like, I remember doing that event and being like, I think this is what this sport is about more than anything. Like the 60-second yeah. deadlifts, you know? Oh, yeah. Those grinders, you know? <laughs> but I feel like when you carry something, you can fight through it. You know, you're not going to pick up 600 pounds if you're tired. It, you can be all, have all the heart in the world. Right. It's not going nowhere. Yoke, maybe. Press, No. Um, I learned about that as a spectator, uh, Miami's Baddest, which would have been, what, 2000, 
your second one, yeah, which was outside. 17th. And yeah. you did the uh, K-Carry Max Distance. Yes. And in my head as a spectator, and, and not I hadn't even really done any strongman lefts yet. I hadn't done anything. I had just, you know, JT is one of my closest friends, and I'm like, go to support him. So I, I hear it, and I'm like, hands hands are first for sure. Yeah. Had Group. no idea. Yeah. I'm thinking. It, that was not the case. Mm-mm. It was legs. As soon as you started seeing them knees knocking, you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. And I mean, everybody was face first over the cake, over yeah. the cake. Everybody. Everybody who wanted it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah there was some people and who just. You, <coughs> let me, and you as an audience can recognize that. Yeah. You've seen who is. And you're familiar to sport for maybe for the civilian. They're like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Yeah. And like, look. But, but you know in their heart, you're like, well, I guess they, ha- they gave it all. Yeah, you know, I'm not, obviously I'm not condoning stupid shit in training. If you're blacking out in training, first of all, get checked out, <laughs> raise your sodium, uh, and don't be an idiot. You know, if you black out every training session, you're not really training. You're you're destroying. Yeah, but you're supposed to train that way, and every once in a while push yourself so that you push in, comp- in competition. Now, and this gets into coach talk here. I understand that sometimes you need to push yourself in training because how else would you know? that you can go the distance, right? Yeah. And this is for the competitive athlete, not necessarily the gym athlete. Two different things. They ask me, they ask me all the time, well, how do you, how, why don't we train to failure? Like, how will I know? I said, you only know if you do it when it matters. And if you can step it up when it matters, you'll never do it when it doesn't. And if you're not doing it on the competitive battlefield, you weren't meant for this world. Mm. If you can't turn it on and suddenly dig into your soul and like this is when we're supposed to go and you're you're not going to do it good for you but you'll never be great and you just have to accept that if you're doing it in training in the comfort of your home with your favorite song with your best buddies is that really pushing it is that really exceeding the level of your ability no one's there trying to beat you right. no one's rooting against you the the conditions are great you ate a big meal life is awesome you're not nervous you're not beat up is it really true I mean, yeah. how often can you shoot at a target if you've never been shot back at? How tactical are you until you're in war? Now, you can practice, but if every single time you go to train, you're doing this, you're not really training. You're not really building yourself. Right. I feel it's important to do it every once in a while. There's such thing as grinders and that max distance where you black out in the train. I get it. But to do it all the time, I think it's foolish, and I think it shows a sign of fear rather than courage. You are submitting to your voice and the little demon in your head and that wolf in your head. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, you're scared. This is why you're doing this. Yeah. And it takes a, a, a true athlete to say, well, I know when the time comes that I will do this. Right. And, and you do. And when you do it on the fucking, when you do it on that, that battlefield, when you go, you don't, that is your pinnacle. Now you're like, well, doing it in a training is like, whatever. Like, why am I doing this? You see, you, you're going to go back into training, and when you're going to grind, you're like, no, I'm going to grind when I compete. Yeah. You yeah. know, I see a lot of young guys and they're fucking going at it every single go. It's a confidence issue, right? Yes, I know. You know how I know? <laughs> because that's me, dog. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, in my first couple of years, we didn't know any better. Right. Everything was heavy. Everything was max. Everything was kill yourself. Well, I can look back and be like, I was just doing it because I was scared I didn't have it. Yeah. I was like, I was scared I didn't know if I had what it, what it takes. Mm-hmm. So I had to prove it to myself by doing stupid shit. It's kind of like the, the loudest person in the room. It's like, you're not the, you're not the most courageous. You're just, yeah. you're just covering it up, right? 
Yeah, 100%. And I learned that in training, and I'm like, fuck. And then when it was too late, I was already beat up to shit. <laughs> and now as, as, as I get there, I'm like a little bit wiser or seasoned, like a nice steak. Uh, I realize, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't need to prove that side to myself anymore. Right. What's harder to prove to myself is being smart. What's <laughs> harder to prove to myself is when to stop. Well, it's not what I do, it's what I don't do. That's much harder for me now than yeah. when I was a young... Uh, pain is just pain. It's just pain. How lucky are you to feel pain in the first place? Yeah. Well, I, I think that's uh, part of what you said, why you went and got coaches. Yeah. The, even now, the sh- uh, shout out to Leifa. Um one of the only people that I actually trust as far as their wis- uh, wisdom in sports, but because we're kind of on the same page. Blue-collar effort with a very um, new-age kind of mentality. Obviously, mm-hmm. I still keep in contact with my old coaches and friends. Obviously, I shoot out to her. But I reached out to her for that reason because I need a coach, man. Yeah. I'm a wild animal. Like, yeah. you let me loose. Even th- that, it's hard to cage that. Yeah. Or it's like you're too caged. You know, like I always reference Fenrir. It's not that he's not trying to get out. It's just biding his time. Mm-hmm. And when it happens, you fucking go. And <laughs> I need, I need that. You know. Yeah. That and I think you had mentioned it with Paul. Well, Paul had mentioned it, and you kind of just said, "Yeah, I get that." Yeah. And and Paul had said uh, uh, that he was too smart for his own good. Yes. And that he could always find a way to reason why. We always. Do that. Always, yeah. always, and you know, it, it's like in, in your job. Yeah. You know what you're doing. You know, you're like I'm too. I, when you're first learning, you're like, you do everything 100%. Then you get good at it, and you're like, I know how to work 70% for the same pay. Yeah. And that's what happens in, as when you fall out of coaching. You start training at 70% because you're getting paid, quote, unquote. Yeah. And I'm not, no longer training at 100. That doesn't mean effort, like killing myself. It means smart. Yeah. I'm 70% smart in my training because I'm too smart, if that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, front squats, cool. Okay, but do single leg stuff. Well, you know, if I go heavy on the front squat, I'm too <laughs> tired, and I don't want metabolic fatigue, and obviously my spine, and I'm done. <laughs> so I just killed myself, you know, even knowing that I could do this stuff. And yeah. And to keep, like we brought up earlier, and something I, when you, you gave me the uh, the outline of the show, which was great, um, so a lot of people that don't know, Johnny helps me with that big time, because if not, I'll just rant endlessly and drink whiskey till I lose myself, but... Um, <laughs> uh, yes, please. Yes. Uh, speaking of which... <laughs> Pause for, <sighs> yes. <laughs> the microphone picks it up when it hits your lips. So um, keeping the wolves at bay. And I wrote an article about this um, prior to Miami's Baddest because I was hoping it would reach a lot of lifters. Me. <laughs> Thank you. And, um, yeah, and I, I, I knew what a lot of lifters go through because I'm, a stu- I'm still an athlete. Yeah. And you... You, I had this conversation recently at the gym with one of my lifters, Mike, um, and he asked me, he was mentioning things about he has to be at a certain level because somebody does this and some guys does that. And he didn't do it in a way that it was like losing himself, but I, I gave him a pre-warning. I said, it's okay to have others as a part of your journey, but not a destination. They're not your GPS. Uh-huh. And that ties in heavily to keeping the wolves at bay. And uh, what we mentioned in the article, Randy from, Iron, uh, from Idolmaker told me many years ago, as I told him I wanted to stay in shape, he's like, yeah, keep the wolves at bay. And I took that again as a physical thing. Like, if I stay strong, I'll always be stronger than the next guy and stay in shape, whatever. But as I got older and post-injury and, and hardships, I realized that the biggest wolves are internal. They're not external sources for me. Like, I'll be honest with you, John, I don't, mi- I don't fear anyone. I don't yeah. fear 
any human being. That doesn't mean I don't respect you. And if, you know, you're dangerous, it doesn't mean I'm like, okay, I'm respecting the space or I respect your strength or whatever. But I fear no one, nothing. No, no. things maybe like heights, duh. And maybe spiders. Like, well, spiders in general, that doesn't, is that even fear anymore? Because that's obvious. Like really dangerous clowns, stupid. Oh, Ugh, stupid. The <laughs> devil created spiders as like generals and armies. <laughs> They're so, oh, I don't even know why they exist. Hitler spiders. <laughs> and, um, I fear nothing, and, that, and no one, not nothing, but no one in that sense of, wor- in my world, obviously, yeah, sure. talking, sp- speaking strength here. I realize that a lot of the times when I look at somebody and I'm, like, intimidated by them, it's coming from an internal source. Mm. It's not that they intimidate me. It's that I'm letting myself be intimidated. Right. I'm letting myself get scared. Sure. I'm letting the demons and the wolves hunt me down and nip at my heels because I'm giving them the time to do so. Right. But when you believe in yourself, and I, I told them this very same line, I go, if you believe in yourself, if you believe that at your best day you can take anything, which takes time, you can just do that on your first comp, you keep those internal wolves at bay, you exude courage. Mm. You exude the confidence. That's, and I, people ask me, and I brought it up a while ago, oh, Mike, you know, you're never nervous. I'm like, I am super nervous. Mm-hmm. Because I have such high standards for myself, and I'm surrounded with people who have expectations for me. I am. This is like you're MDLP. You're gonna win. I'm like, first of all, shut your mouth. And yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah, but how do you how do you live that life? And I'm like, well, I have to keep the wolves at bay within me. Yeah. And when I walk around with a sense of confidence, it's because I'm working every second of that competition to keep these external demons or internal demons from crushing me. Mm-hmm. And I tell that to a lot of young lifters in any sport. If you can master that hunt and you can master that, that keeping them at bay, you are fucking hundred percent. And I'm a big believer in that. Would you say that ties into some of your rebel mindfulness work of speaking confidence into existence? I can't fucking beautiful tie in Jesus, John. Um, That's also one of our episodes. Yes, totally. Yes. By the way, I forgot what episode, but tune in. (laughs) (laughs) And we have, uh, yeah, we're pretty proud of that one. We had Lucas Irwin in for rebel mindfulness. Yep. Um, being exactly right, being mindful and not only speaking it to exist, practicing into existence, I would say is more value. Um, now before you go on mm-hmm. practicing it at home versus practicing it at your event. Yep. And it's practicing it always, mm. not just when it's convenient to practice. That okay. doesn't prove a warrior, which would be the home and home outside of that. I think in my opinion, John, what you do outside of the gym, as far as practicing mental stability, is the foundation to your gym ethics. Then you ex- you execute at the gym, and then you take that gym effort into life. It's a circle, right? It's a circle. Um, it's that part of life. It is a very yin and yang, circular kind of everything, right? It's it's important to understand that how you talk to your parents, your siblings, how you how you show yourself to your colleagues your friends, are you on time? How you take care of your body in the sense of, are you truthful to yourself? Yeah. Are you are you passionate about something? Those things, you're setting the groove. Every day you have thousands of opportunities to better yourself in a way that's only personal to you. You don't got to go on fucking Instagram and say you held the door for an old lady. It's what you want to do, so do it, right? Right. And in those efforts, you come into the gym saying, well, I had 100 battles today, but I fought for 10 of them. And I won. 
and I did it on my own steam. And you come in with that attitude, that sets up the pace, right? And being mindful, which is a, now it's like a cool term to be mind, be in the present moment. I'm like, first of all, I'm not going to be that. I was in it before. It was cool, even though it was. But <laughs> there was a lot of people that have been doing this for thousands of years, so I have nothing to say. Hipster MDLP. Yeah, I have a typewriter here, guys, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, soundboard. Soundboard deck. Uh, and it's, it's being in the present moment, but more importantly, being in the present moment and being mindful when it's not practical, yeah. when it's not easy. It's really easy to meditate on the beach, dog. I don't respect you that and I don't want to be respected, but I'm not going to kiss your ass because you decided to go on a beach on a beautiful day yeah. when life is good and sit on a towel and be mindful and present. No shit. Where else would you want to be? Yeah. How about when somebody cuts you off in traffic? How about when somebody yells at you and pisses you off? How about when somebody in your family calls you to fucking piss you off or tell you bad news? Hmm? Yeah. Are you mindful when you hear bad news? Are you mindful when you're hurt? Are you mindful when you're upset and angry? Are you bringing yourself that? That is mindful practice. And it's very easy to put up some fucking stupid meme and say, be mindful, be in the present moment when life is good. Mm -hmm. Instead of you, somebody cuts you off, you motherfucker, I'm one of this and that, and you're mad, and somebody pisses you off at work, and you hold it on the whole day, and you're pissed off. That's yeah. mindful practice, and I know Lucas will back me on this, so high five, dog. It is practicing when it's not convenient, right? I brought this up. We had a mindfulness practice. Rebel Mindfulness had a like meeting of men. Really cool because we can talk openly amongst men. It's whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And I, w I actually spoke up on this when I felt comfortable. Typically, I just kind of chill out. And I go, it's in the fight that I find the pe most peaceful thing, right? And I, and I relate this to sport. I write this a lot about, you know, the tattoo behind my neck and its personal meanings to me. But it is in the act of going into your mental toolbox to retrieve the tool to be mindful in that moment it is in the walking the opening of the box and the effort to come back to use it that i find that i have the biggest value of being mindful and present once i'm fixing the issue once the issue is fixed it is gone from me mm. and it's in this daily moment by moment battle all the fucking time that is true growth and true peace for me I will never have an easy life because I'll never make it easy for myself. That is who the fuck I am. I won't, I won't, oh, you drank Saturday till fucking three in the morning to come through on Sunday? I'm not condoning that. I'm ashamed of myself. But that's who the fuck I am. I don't get up in the morning with a fucking salty mouth and a hurt liver and complain about it. I go, what am I going to do to make this the best fucking day ever? Right. And it's because every time I have to be mindful, I'm appreciative of the battle. The forest is on fire. And that is, that is the way to me. When I say never stray from the way, it, that's my way. Not your way. I'm not telling you to be this guy. Sure. And that is being part of the present moment to bring it back around town. That is what being mindful and practicing daily to make you the better athlete and the better competitor, right? Yeah. And that, that I would say that is a, the act of, of being, of practicing it into existence, right? Because we said it often, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanence. Shout out yeah. to ET. Yeah, that's exactly what the fuck that is. It's funny because uh, I think I was. What were we about to do? We're about to. We're about to do the burden run, mm. and I'm standing with the guys. You know, the cool thing was with the majority of the novices were like fist bumping each other. Yeah, yeah. Like it was just a really cool like experience. You know, getting to work with Andres and Mike and like 
yeah. coming back. And Mike finished the burden run. They finished everything, man. And he, and he grinded. And I, he got to the end, and I was like, yeah. yeah so like, I was cheering for my own self because I had trained with him. So it was every part his victory as it was everyone's there, you know? And uh, so we're, I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of staring out, and I'm looking. And I almost, <laughs> sounds really corny, but I think of, like, that uh, that gladiator moment where he's standing in the field. And it's just the air is blowing. And so we had that really cool cross breeze. So I'm just like (sighs) looking and I'm just like, it was like nothing was happening. Mm. And then I get a smack on the chest and it's grump. And he's like, hey, motherfucker, it's almost (laughs) time to go. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'm ready. You find yourselves in the field of Elysium, man. Yeah, bro. And it was like such a, like, that's the exact moment I had. And, And it was in the middle of like people falling on their face that I was like. In this peaceful. It's, yeah. it's in the battle, right? Yeah. And that's good. That's awesome that you see it that way. And that's your story. Yeah. And that's your legacy. And that's that's what you're going to pass down to whoever you're with, your yeah. training partner, to family, to a fucking stranger that walks in. I spoke to a young man this week who came by to see the gym. You, uh, people, like, I love it. And I love Braveheart in the sense of it has great quotes, very historically inaccurate. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get into it. I get super nerdy. Um, if you want to watch a good movie, boys, we'll watch Outlaw King. And um, anyways, that was a good one, right? And he says in the movie, and it's like, men follow, well, people follow courage. Okay, so that's a line, right? Well, what's the prescription to that? So if I tell you, John, men follow courage. Now you're like, okay, what? Is there a firefighter? Yeah, is there what? Yeah, what? 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 What do I? How do I get there? Yeah. And I said, I said to Frank the young Dukes, man, an yeah. American hero. Wow. You call it Dukes? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Total lies, by the way. Yeah, um, didn't even exist. Didn't Piece even happen. Shit. Thanks a lot. No. Oh, Kumite? It wasn't there. is ruined. <laughs> I still believe in Frank Dukes, bro. Come I on. still believe that he got blinded and fucked that guy. 100%. Um, and the biggest thing is like, okay, so what's the prescription to that? Well, and as I brought it up earlier, courage comes from within. And if you fight daily to overcome these things in, inside your body and keeping the wolves at bay... When you speak of the of the passion, something you're passionate about, it exudes off the body. Like if you look at me, you're like, Mike, you're gonna do six hundred pounds. I go, I fucking know I'm gonna do six hundred pounds. That courage makes you go, I can I can do what I need to do too. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe six hundred isn't your number, but you have your six hundred, right? Yeah. I with a three hundred twenty pound log or three fifteen log. Everyone has their three fifteen log. It's just mine was that, right? Yeah. Courage is 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 palpable, like fear. Yep. It is, it is a thing. There's a prescription to courage. Like there's a prescription to fear. There's a prescription to love. There are things that you can do daily to exude that. You can't just be courageous unless you feel fear. So if you're not scared and battling it every day, you're writing the prescription to exude this energy. And I feel that that trans- obviously transcends the sport, but it's what inspires others if you are following your own fucking path. I wrote about it in the story. Be you. Yeah. Like, you have your, don't, you don't want to be me, dog. Trust me. You mm-hmm. don't. It's not even I'm like, oh, I'm super awesome. You don't want to fucking be my life. And now, though, I think I can handle yours. Right. I don't, I don't just sit here and be like, yo, I can do what you do. Maybe some things. But it's most of the time I'm like, if I follow my path and know my role and know my courage and my story, and I follow it with so much fervor and passion, I exude inspiration for you to do your path. Yeah. I don't want to inspire you to do what I do. That's not what the world is about. I'm just inspiring, I hope so, that you can do whatever the fuck you want to do and need to do because I do that too. Right. And that's why sport is so inspiring. Mm. Because a guy and a girl 
deadlifting a fucking axle and pushing the limit with a fucking keg, if you see it with the civilized eyes of somebody who wants to grow, you're seeing it as inspiration and courage, not as a circus act. Right. Not as a, oh, this is stupid. You're seeing perseverance in living flesh. And if you fucking use it, you're going to go home and you're going to do what you need to do. You're going to be a better fucking dad or a better coworker or a better mother. You will be a better person if you use that. And Miami exudes it like a fucking wave of passion. It is disgustingly awesome. <laughs> you are drowning in that shit. I knew people that don't even know fucking know what they're cheering about. But you are caught up in like, this is the fucking best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Right? And yeah. as an athlete, as an athlete and a promoter, I want that for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to watch my own show and cheer through the screen. And you can see me on the mic. I'm like, damn, this is... I'm actually mad I can't compete in my own show. I would love it. Yeah. I'm like, why can't I fucking do one like this, you know? Well, the the difference, too, at Miami's, and now that I've been to a few uh, as a spectator, is that very often you'll find the MC will have to say, come on, guys, let's get behind them. Yep. This is X, Y, and Z. At Miami's, soon as they saw somebody touch something, it was like... Yeah, yeah, and the know? effort, and yeah, and yeah. that was really the difference. Even at nationals, nationals is a big one, mm-hmm. and I mean, those are top level athletes, and yeah. you literally have to beg the crowd to acknowledge. Yeah, the like, crowd sucks so bad. Hey, you know this guy is deadlifting your life. Yes, wow, <laughs> blast in the past, bro. Oh, shit, we gotta put that on. Sh- that's trademark, by the way. Yeah, don't use that. Yeah, you can't. We'll sue you. Uh, well, we, we'll try. We have lawyers. We know. Yeah, Jewish or people. just beat the fuck out of you, which is more of my <sighs> way, right? This is Miami, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a line. <laughs> I was getting all got my gold teeth in. I'm like, I'm getting real thug in this yeah, motherfucker. You, uh, you know what? Actually, I wanted to talk to you about that because you had uh, pulled all the athletes out. Mm-hmm. And you had specifically addressed the novice class. And um, to, to summarize, and I'll let you speak on it a little bit more, but you had said, understand what's happening here. Pay attention to what who's around you and who will be here and who will not be here because you'll be able to know. And you're like, you are the future of this sport. And I guess my question to you is why did you feel in that moment that that was important to address? Because you could have done it and you could have done it in an Instagram live. You could have done it as a social media post and look super cool and got hundreds of likes. But you did it in front of that small group for what reasons? What do you think? Oh, easy. Um, not easy, but um, deep. Because you earned it. You guys earned it. Like, it's. I get super emotional. Hold on, I got a drink. <laughs> Stupid feelings. Mainly because I see things in the way that there is no tomorrow often. Yeah, sure. And who you walk with in that moment, it might be the last most passionate moment in your life. Not all of every day, be real. Yeah. But if you live it like that, you might have greatest moments every few days. And I sat there in front of, you know, close to 80 people that, you know, some people are whatever. But my job is not to bow to the weakest of them. It is to rise to the strongest of you. I can't say, oh, out of 80, there's 20 people that don't give a shit about what I say. Mm. That's not how you lead. 
that's not how you inspire passion. I want to speak to you like I speak to myself and say, this is the last day of your fucking life. Push. Look around you. This is not going to last forever. You will lose this one day, whether it's because of life, whether it's because of injury, or fucking death. Feel it in your fucking bones. Like, be proud that you're part of something. Live life, I remember one of the speeches I went to, live life with passion, man. With some pride is one of the fucking speeches. I Every fucking day, every week, literally. And I looked upon competitors that you had taken the courage to show up. Yeah. Because the world has close to 8 billion people. 7 plus billion people will never have the courage or the ability, for fuck's sake, because of where they live and their hardships, to step on a competitive battlefield to get one chance to be great or to feel important. Yeah. You know, when you're depressed and when you lose life, you feel like a piece of shit. And mm-hmm. everyone can tell you, cheer up, you got a lot to live for. And you're like, fuck you. You have no idea what I'm feeling. And I'm feeling sorry for myself. So it's irrelevant what you think. Yeah. But when you get to taste a competition, you know what it feels like to be great. That is the light at the end of a very deep, deep, dark tunnel with a very little light. But it's enough to illuminate someone because you will never forget what it feels like to be cheered on and feel great like a gladiator. Like, And that is the beauty of sport, man. Yeah. That is what sometimes can get us out of the bed and to move forward. And when I spoke to you guys, I wanted you to feel what I feel. Yeah. And that you had signed up for a show that was difficult. And I said it when I was on the microphone. And I said it to my lifters when I pulled them aside. I am already proud of many of you because I know what it takes to get here. Yeah. I'm not giving you the gold star for everyone bullshit or the participation speech. The real effort is stepping on that battlefield. It is picking up that for the nerves and the pain and the doubt and when you get injured and there's so many things you go through to get there that when you get there, you should be treated with respect. And I wanted you guys to have my respect. I, I res- even... I don't give a fuck if there's people that don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I'm like, I respect your effort, dog. Yeah. I know what you've been to get here. And I wanted to exude that. Yeah. So when I did that speech, with a, I always do a competitor speech. I'm like, remember why you're here. And remember that this is not, and you notice, Johnny, that everyone left that. Like, we are here for something big. Yeah. And I want, Why? Just like the lifter and the loader, plate loader, needs to be a sense of accountability, so do you, motherfucker. I'm not going to have you at my show being a piece of shit, acting like a dick, like you don't want to be here. And I said it. I'll give you your fucking money back and get the fuck out of my show. I'm going to fuck you up. And I mean it. Like, I will physically fuck you up. I'll I'll get the papers, dog. Trust me when I tell you that it's a cancer. And if you've been a competitor long enough... When there's that one or two lifter, like, I don't want to be here, fuck this. It starts to, like, it starts to try to creep into your life. Yeah. So when we had that meeting, and that's always the, the, the rules meeting. Yeah. It's a beautiful chance to inspire the next generation. Well, guess what, man? I have to be very real. I'm on my way out. Yeah. Like, I can't lift. I can't lift where I was. I'm on my way out. That's the old wolf in me being like, Mike, your time is limited. So live passionately. Got it. I live life like that, too, outside of my gym. That's why when I, <laughs> I go scumbag way. There ain't no tomorrow, dog. We're gonna have the best time of our lives tonight. There's rain. There's none. <laughs> now, we'll see the sunrise, but we're gonna have a great time. But 
I don't condone that, by the way. But anyways, my father's a big advocate. I love like, that guy. If you're to going to fuck up. I need to meet him, so big. he punches me in the face because <laughs> he will. Yeah. But, but you didn't understand. I wanted to. I wanted to. The next generation can't just be told, "Hey, you're the next generation. Yeah. Don't be a pussy." Yeah, sure. That's that's what we say. But what's the prescription? Look around you. Yeah. Respect everyone. Respect yourself. Be proud of yourself. Yeah. Remember this moment because that's gonna get you to the next comp. That's going to get you past life. It's going to get you past quitting. Sure. And, okay, out of 80, let's say only five heard me. Let's say only five felt me, which I doubt because I thought it was an awesome moment. But let's say five really took home that. That's five people in this fucking world that you helped push forward. Yep. Bro, I'm good with one. Yeah. Right? We've talked about everything's better than zero, remember? Sure. One. I'm like, fuck it. And honestly, John... That's my time to shine, man. Yeah. Dude, I work really hard for people to hear me. I've worked 34 years to have a voice. I'm not, I'm not apologetic about, oh, Mike, you're cocking. I'm going to give a fuck. It's taken me 34 years to be a man. Yeah. So I can tell you, this is what I believe in, and I'm willing to die for it. And you can either fucking come with me or get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. But out of 34 years, I'm pretty headfast or steadfast on staying that ground. And... Uh, for some of you that don't understand this, you know that people can still be friends and not agree on the same things. That's actually real. Is that a is that a thing? Yeah, that, can that's somebody a thing. write that fucking down? It's okay to disagree. Is that yeah, weird? Shit. I mean, uh, we tell each other. I don't like that. And right. I, that's yeah. how the show happens. No, all right. Yeah. Fuck. I get it. Uh, it's. Thank you for saying that, by the way, because everyone is like, I'm like, yo, listen, we're not supposed to be. Yeah, be fucking weird. Yeah, and also competitive. Like, if you do 231, I'm like, John, I hope you do good, but I'm going to fucking crush you. Yes. And then we're friends after. Like, it's okay, dog. It's okay. It's like, yeah. I don't know what that is. But yeah, man, I, I, that's a really, that was a really good question, by the way. Yeah, um, well, I really dug that moment. Yeah. Uh, and you know what's funny is I took that with me literally right there. Uh, I didn't catch his name, but I was warming up on the side outside. And there was an older guy who uh, was basically, his, I think, his first competition in anything. But definitely his first, uh, his first strongman, and uh, he had no idea how to even pick a keg up. I jumped over there and I started running him through some cues because I'm like, "Well, if we're gonna be the next generation of this, yes. then we're gonna go together." Right. So I walked Good him through you. some cues, and uh, you know, the guy went out and pressed and did his thing, and he came back and he's like, "Wow, man, thank you." And I'm like, "Hey, we're." We're, we're one team. team here. Like, yeah, we're all competing for ourselves, but we're competing for the sport also. Mm. And I want to make sure that I see you next year. Yeah. You know, regardless of what side of the fence we're on, I want I want to make sure you come back. And I want you to come back because you were embraced by people who instantly looked at you as a brother or a sister because you're standing with us. Right. Together. <sighs> oh, Jesus, man. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> it It's... It's when you, um, when I was, again, I don't want to say younger, like I'm this old piece of shit, but I feel like my mind's like 187 years old, so fuck <laughs> off. Um, well, I mean, if you do lack of sleep times. if you Sleep apnea for five years makes you 187, so. Yeah, thought per day versus <laughs> lost time versus, yeah. That's, that's beautiful right. mind. Uh, math out loud. Uh, math in real life. Um, I'll tell you, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be the best. Sure. And you, to take to be the best, you have to be selfish. Yeah. And you have to do this and you have to do that. I get it. But for many of us, there is life after competition. Mm -hmm. Donnie Thompson used to say it all the time. 
Yeah, actually, yeah. Paul said the same. Paul thing same too. thing, which is typically there was a you know like what we an talked episode. About, that was a great episode. The last episode, so tune in, yeah. fuckers. After this, one. <laughs> and after this one, and um, one of the things he said, and one of the things that life after competition is, what kind of culture do you want to build? <laughs> if you're building a culture that's headfast and obsessed with destination, well, you're gonna reach that destination, but then what? Mm-hmm. You reach that finish line, and then what? If you build a culture that is consistently seeing the horizon as an unreachable goal but the path is the is the, is the process is the essence you're going to build things like this because you're you're going to help that person with the keg because it's about the sport there is the instant gratification is not necessarily there it's the process you're going to remember that moment i promise you john you're going to remember that moment of helping that guy out at the top of your list of taking like, as, as much as it's taking second place at that competition oh Congratulations, by the way. (laughs) Congratulations. It's kind of a big deal. Top three, dog. No, listen, that. Right? And look. I really, like, I I had no idea. And because I didn't want to lose the moment. Right. I didn't want to lose the moment. I didn't want to get tied up in where I was at. Right. One, because it's novice. Right. Like, it's cool. I love, this is amazing. This, that day was one of the best moments in my life. In my life. Yes. And... I didn't want to take any step of that journey. The destination was awesome. Yeah. But if I had missed what was on the path to that, I would have lost everything. Everything. And I'd been fucking, it had been four minutes of work to get a medal and the day's over. And that's it. And what a piece of shit I'd be because I, there was so many moments that happened for the, for myself, for people around that I would have lost. And it's, it's, not funny. It's actually terrible. But you train four months for f- maybe five minutes. Yeah. This was a long comp. Yeah. So four four minutes and something. Yeah. And that kind of recognition of that effort for that little bit of gratification should make you really love the process more. Yeah. And that's why I love strongman. Powerlifting too. I mean, you train four months for nine lifts that are three seconds long. Can you imagine? 27 seconds. I've trained 30 years for yeah. nine lifts. <laughs> three seconds long. You know what I mean? Uh, and and I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, that's where you need to fall in love with the process. Yeah. And I, I get, I know it's, it's so overplayed and it's so cliche to do that. But you know what's not cliche? Actually doing it yeah. because most people fucking don't. And um, it's, it's important, especially speaking to the novice class, which... Yeah, I give novice a hard time because yeah, fuck sure. you. I was given a hard time too. I yeah. remember winning my first novice comp, and at the time, Elliot Holtz was still into strongman. He said, "Well, maybe you'll win a real class now." <laughs> I said, "I got pissed," and then I won my next four comps at two thirty one. But I was like, l- like pumped, and I'm hard on that. And I'm like, "Yo, yeah. like you are the future," because hopefully, out of twenty of you, three stay. <laughs> Let's just hope, right? Yeah. And when you jump into an open class where the weight is going to hurt you. Well, only the strong survive. And I don't mean physically only. Sure. You have to love the sport. It has to be a love of the sport, not just a love for yourself. Yeah. And when you help somebody out, when you give them your chalk, when you cheer them on, you're falling in love with the sport, which makes you last forever in the sport. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about the, like, that part of it. When you're, when you're finding out, do you know who the winners are before you go up, or do you get them, like, on the fly? Uh, the, I get the numbers right there at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you get to go through the list. Like, yeah. what's that feeling like when you see like your people, like you see your <laughs> I lifters? Hate you. I hate you. 
<laughs> I knew you were going to fucking ask me this. You're welcome. Um, ugh. First of all, <laughs> I don't want to do this. You are, I think it's important to recognize that being a coach or being a leader is probably the most amazing thing that I could ever have asked for. To be viewed as that has probably been my goal for 34 years. So we'll get into that aspect of it because it is the most meaningful thing in my life, aside from obviously being a son and a boyfriend. And I'm not going to be stupid and negate those, but being a coach is probably one of the most, it saved my life. Let's just put it like that, literally. Yeah, sure. When you're out there seeing your people accomplish lifts and cheering on and finding that, it is hard not to tear up on the microphone. It is almost impossible to not get emotional. I have to consistently take the mic away from my mouth because I'm so emotional that I'm like, I am being biased. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm in there on the mic, like motherfucker, get it up. You know, like you can hear me cheering and it's okay. And I said it on the mic, I'm biased. Fuck you. Like, these are my people, right? You even have uh, like the old school childhood. Dang it movements when someone misses a lift <laughs> and you like kick the dirt on the yes, ground. Yes, you see me? Yes. Oh, I hate funny, you. I hate you saying that. I like that that like, moment, oh, shucks. it brings you back to being young. Yes, vulnerable. And that's what's amazing. It, 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 makes you, it makes you feel vulnerable and being a coach, in essence, you're always vulnerable. Sure. Because a piece of you lives in each lifter. It's like that, um, remember that picture I posted a while it says sensei and person and the sensei all, the all blocked out? Yeah. Well, that's why lifting is getting harder for me because a lot of me is dying to get my lifters going forward. I don't have as much time. I'm more tired. I have more effort externally. I've given more to the gym and my clan that I've given to myself, and I'm super okay with it. But it, the reality is seven years ago when all I cared about was about how far I got as an athlete, I had more blocks in me. You also changed your priority. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's when you live outside of yourself that you How truly find purpose. <laughs> Thirty two years. <laughs> okay. Let's let's come let's condense it into opening the gym. Oof. How long did it take you to separate yourself and your, your athletes? That's another fucking great question, by the way. Um so because it's not it doesn't happen right away, I'm sure. Right. And that's a that's a really good good question too. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tie both of these together. I still haven't won that battle. Mm. And I don't want to win it. <laughs> sure. Uh, battling between an athlete and a coach hopefully lasts a few more years. Uh, but it's an everyday battle. And how long is it taking? It's taking every day. Um, even before I was a gym owner, I was a Muay Thai coach too. But oh, back okay. then I wanted to fight more than coach, right? Yeah, sure. But I loved coaching. That's when I knew I would be coaching the rest of my life somehow. It's every day that I struggle with that. Because there's moments where this wolf, bear, rhino comes out of me and wants to fucking crush everything in front of me. And like the same energy and the passion and rage that it takes to get that deadlift off the floor. It's the same one I want to punch in your fucking face when you're being a pussy about it. And that's not the coach. That's the athlete, right? Because yeah. we're training together. The coach is the guy that's going to tell you to take a moment. The coach is the guy that's going to take you to breathe and talk to you when you're hurt. And the tears in my eyes when I see a lifter hurt, I'm like, because it hurts me. It, like, it physically, I'm like, take me, dog. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's even to the, like, if you see your dog limping, you're like, bro, let me limp. Oh. I don't have children, and I don't want kids, but I can imagine, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, do it, let me do this, right? 
And differentiating that line between the athlete and the coach, to me, might be a lifelong process. And I'm still struggling with it every day. But I'm telling you right now that I have accepted that I am a better coach than I am an athlete. And it, <laughs> it was when I first got injured, people told me that. Oh, you're a better coach than athlete. And my first response was, fuck you. <laughs> like, straight up, fuck you. Like, what are you saying? I'm a bad fucking lift? Like, it was antagonistic, full of rage, and it came from a moment of weakness and low self-esteem because I was yeah. broken. Right. As I progressed forward, I realized, yeah, man. That's the ultimate compliment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I was like, wow, I'm seen as something bigger than me. And I've come to the, the realization that it is my effort and my failures and my shortcomings as an athlete, which I'm fine with, that have made me a better coach. And I've accepted that, that is, I'm building my life for life after competition, fulfilling myself, with giving my blocks away till there's nothing but crumbles to hold on to. And I'm super okay with that yeah. because the, what's left of that picture is enough to withstand anything. And I'm, I'm a bit more happy with my athletes holding all the cubes like this. Yeah. And me going like, well, I'm dying. You know, I'm good with that. Like the fucking Giving Tree, which is still one of my favorite books of all time, it's still influential to me. Yeah, sure. 30 fucking years later, because I read it when I was like four, is very big to me. So, and to bring that back is being a coach and watching everybody and what does that feel like? It feels like a piece of you is out there every single time. Yeah. And it's exhausting as much as it is amazing. Like yeah. watching you take your lifts, watching you get that medal. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't want to cry right now. Me specifically? Yeah, dog. Uh, oh How can God. I not? I can't. You know what I mean? Like I saw you. Like every, and people tell me, Mike, what do you feel? I go, everything. <laughs> you know, I'm a guy that I hate caring for things because it's scary for me. Yeah, sure. I'm real with you. Like I've always been real. I'm like, it makes me vulnerable. And vulnerability is a, nobody wants to be vulnerable. It makes it fucking makes me literally scared to want to care for something because I know that everything ends. Yeah. And I know that that's going to be another fucking battle. And I'm sometimes I'm tired, dog. I'm tired. And I see it. And I'm like, well, if I care about this right now, this is really going to hurt. Yeah. And when I'm watching people compete, I'm like, I'm like, come on, get it. And I have to at the same time put on this fucking mask that I'm MDLP with gold shoes and like I don't break for nothing. Yeah. But in my soul, every step they take, you know why? Because I've seen you take that step in training, and I've seen you take those steps in life. And any coach that looks at their lifter within the walls of their gym only yeah. is a bad coach. Yeah. I'm going to be true. If your coach only sees you within the walls and doesn't understand who you are outside of the, of the coach of the gym, is a bad coach. Yeah. Fuck you, you're bad. But when you see that, look, the personal issues, the family issues, the injuries, their mental issues, like we all got them. And I'm there with you. And then I'm seeing you succeed. I'm like, oh, okay, well, fuck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's when you've learned to hit bottom that you have this emotional vulnerability invested in your lifter. Yeah. So how does it feel? Well, it feels like the worst and best thing in the world at once. I, I had no idea. <laughs> it, when you <laughs> Got you I'm good, like, huh? Yeah, I'm going to throw yeah. that back at you, dog. But That's the thing is, like, so I guess I was more overwhelmed that so many people had noticed. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I knew that I was a crack shot at top five. Yep. And I figured my confidence in the work I had put in was like, I could be top five. Right. 
I know there's 20-something guys. I know that there's guys that are going to be faster or more athletic. I know that there's guys going to be stronger in static strength. But I don't think there's going to be many guys that can do both. And I think that will be my advantage in, right. in competition. So when you said <laughs> uh, me, did. and I heard people cheering like that, I was I actually took me a minute to go because I was like, who? Yeah. <laughs> Why are they like, this is just me. Relax, guys. It's just me. Nah, the uh, crowd was crazy. Crazy. Yeah. And it's it, funny because my girl talked about it. She's like, I can't believe that people cheered for you like that for second place. It's like, she goes, I know you didn't get first, but they cheered like you got first. But, right. Because they, first of all, I'll be real. You're well liked, but you're genuine. It's a genuine feeling when you follow somebody that has genuine passion for something. Yeah. So their second, your second is their second. And your story is their story now. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, it's a feeling we can't forget. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, look, you know, uh, I, I hate losing. And I hate losing more than I like winning. Taking second in Florida is losing to me. Yeah. But I won my story. When I took that fucking second place and I heard the crowd, that was like, I, I earned this. I almost beat my pants. <laughs> that was amazing. And it was, and you, now you know too. Now yeah. you know that feeling too. Yeah. And that's, you're in it now, right? So crazy. And uh, I explain this to people sometimes and it's just like, you gotta, it, you gotta be part of something big, right? And that's what I'm talking about. That feeling you get there, you're like, I, uh, pe- people know me. Like people are cheering me, yeah. uh, cheering for me, and it's 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 huge. Um, I can't, I can't explain that to you because it's your story, sure. and you're telling me now, and I'm I'm taking that in, right? And uh, your story is that is theirs now. You know, oh man, I, you know, we saw him coming. Awesome, that's legacy. Because <laughs> uh, like we said last time, you die twice. I think Physical that it was when your name stops. Oh well, yeah, yeah that's a big one. I also think that that is something that we have uh, spoke pretty diligently on, the power of community. Right. And I think it was just showing off what everyone had worked so hard for in terms of the event, Mm -hmm. the spectatorship, the sponsors. I think it was a good representation of that community. Obviously, the real goal is to raise money. Right. Absolutely. Like the medals are awesome. Let's be real. That's what we want to do. Right. But that's that's impacting the world. Right. And it, it's like, what are you doing with your fucking platform? <laughs> yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like, 100%. I don't have to be on this giant soapbox to fucking help out. Right. I own a gym. That's it. Like, that's it. In the reference of history, I am a particle. But in that particle is my fucking world. And it's my particle. It's my <laughs> speck of dust. And I'm going to make it the fucking best that I can. It doesn't matter if, look, dude. Five, seven years ago when we started this gym, if you told me where I was going to be at seven years, you know what I said? Mm. Goddamn right. Because I believed in myself. I believed in what we were building. Sure. It was insanity. People looked at me like I was some crazy motherfucker. Go, no, you have no idea. I see it. Like, I feel it in my bones. Like, I still have it. We are building a culture. I've said that for years. The word fucking culture came from me because I said we're building a gym culture. We're not building a bunch of fucking dumbasses that come to lift, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
And if you have that, if you have your own world and you stand on that to make a fucking difference, look what we did at Miami's Baddest, dude. And that started with an empty warehouse and a debit and a credit card and fucking financial debt. Yeah. And it started with fear and anxiety and realistically, of course, real doubt with nothing, with negative, like, nah, it's not going to make it. You should have been CrossFit. I'm like, well, fuck, I can't. I'm not a CrossFit. Yeah, sure. And that, and look, in seven fucking years later, on May 19th, on ep- we have people that are just like you going to speak about this for the rest of their fucking lives. Yeah. And we raised and we made a statement on one day. Yeah. And in five hours, we raised $1,200 for charity. And there's people listening right now that all they do is repost fucking memes and think they're a fucking charitable force. And we, are, we I mean we, because we did it as a fucking community, made an impact and a difference on people's lives in one day. Yeah. And we actually did it. Yeah. And there's a fucking difference between everyone out there. I said it on my shit. You repost a meme, that's not, you're not making a fucking difference, dog. Yeah. You're stroking your ego, dick. Oh, I'm part of it. What did you do? And then tangible evidence work. You cannot deny facts. Yes. Yes, I love facts signs. They're so good. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to get super chatty on this. So we're doing live. Hi, live. Hi, Hello, everybody. Live. What's going on? Um, somebody asked me what song I always play on my videos. Not telling you. So just like everything else in my life, I'm going to make you work um, for everything. So if you don't know it, search it. I'm not going to tell you the band. Nothing. It'll come out to you naturally and genuinely. Um, hi to everybody that's tuning in live. We always take live questions on Instagram. We got some live comment questions, right? We oh, do have a good couple ones. of uh, questions, yeah. So we're going to get those a little bit. Then we're going to tune off the live and start um, start finishing off our show. So cheers to everybody. This is an energy drink. I've been drinking whiskey. I feel great. Energy Johnny, whiskey. Hit me up with some questions so I get all sassy. All right. So good for good for you because actually I think this is the consensus for a lot of people who were there spectating. Cool. Um, this is from Chris Perez. Okay, Chris P. Who has been cool to watch? Yeah, yeah fine yeah. injury recovery. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I actually started following him, and uh, it's been cool to watch like the progression of of him getting yeah. better. So that's cool. He uh, asked this: Hey guys, do you have any tips for a power lifter looking to compete in strongman? <laughs> Also, how do you know if you should compete in the novice or the open class? I love it because there's two good questions that I want to get sassy about. Yeah, excellent. First of all, it's a funny story, Crispy. I've, I wanted to punch him in his stupid face when I met him. Uh, and look, how he has nice hair? Yes, and he was a cocky same. little fuck. I wanted to punch him for the and same reason. me of me because I was a cocky little fuck. But <laughs> it's funny how life turns around. Yeah. And uh, I could have closed my doors to him. And you know why I didn't? Because it's about the fucking sport. That boy's strong. Yeah. And if I didn't do the help him, we're losing the potential of seeing a great lifter. Yeah. So, and I took him in and look. Now he's one of us, and I have tremendous respect because he severe spine injury in the sense that he's pain every day. Now he's pain-free. And he did the path that I took. Five, six months of nothing. Yeah. And here we are. So, shout out to you, little homie. I know you're going to fucking rub one out to that. Next one. <laughs> as far as um, a power lifter trying to compete in strongman, first of all, don't. Just kidding. I always ask you, I have to ask you why. I always tell my, my anyone who comes to my gym asking me, I want to do strongman, I first of all ask you why. I, I tell them with very great respect, this is a sport that will crush you. Mm. Um, if you don't give me a better reason than, oh, because I saw it on TV, I say you're not going to last. Um, something deep. Your why has to be more than because you saw it externally. 
Mm-hmm. And I understand that if you went to Miami's, you know that there's a bigger reason than just like it looks cool. Um, I always tell you that the sport will come knocking and that this is a sport that strips you to your bones, um, terribly so. And if a powerlifter is trying to transition into strongman, now speaking as a coach, I would say first start with light implements on your dynamic days. For example, for us, it's Saturdays where you're doing like GPP. Start carrying kegs, start uh, carrying yokes, keep them at a light percentage of your every number, sandbags, um, and feel that out. Mm-hmm. See where that works. Talk to your coach. Um, don't step on toes. And start implementing movement. Now, if you're not training strongman, like I always say, you're wrong. Anyone that's really a good coach is doing some sort of odd object or implement carries because of the imbalances created by powerlifting and it's really stagnant one-dimensional lift or two-dimensional lifts. Farmers, yoke, stuff like that will actually improve your powerlifting career. Second, try not to be great at two things. Either you're going to be a great powerlifter or you're going to be a great strongman. Or you can be good at both. That's fine. But don't talk shit that you want to be the strongest person in the nation yeah. and powerlift at the same time. You don't know what sacrifice is about. You want to do two things because you want to be recognized as a person that does two things. That's your fucking ego. And be honest. You're right. I like attention. I want sponsors. I want to look cute doing strong man on a stone. I think it looks great. Cool. But don't fucking come at me with some bullshit that you want to be the best because you're not. Yeah. You don't see the best doing 10 sports. Um, as far as novice is concerned. <laughs> Novice has to be like we did once. This question: It's a high. It's high, either you have the skill acquisition and low strength, or you're high strength with low skill acquisition. Mm-hmm. That pretty much defines the novice class. You can be very, very skilled, but you don't have the strength. The yep. numbers in the open class are going to hurt you, for real. Then I pull you down to novice, because let's say a 400 pound yoke in the open class for a female may physically herniate your disc. You're in a position where picking that up can crush your C spine. There's concern for injury. You should go to the novice class where it's a battle where you're not going to just walk through it. Yeah. If it's that you're just barely finishing the events and you're pushing through and it's hard, welcome to strongman. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the rest of your fucking life. Yeah. If you're nervous, welcome to strongman. If you're scared, welcome to strongman. Mm-hmm. Too bad. If you're going to zero, welcome to strongman. Especially. Especially. Strongman. But how you zero is what matters. If you're going to zero and get hurt, you should be in the novice. Yeah. Now, there's a complete opposite in a sense. You're super, super strong with very low skill acquisition. You may not know how to do the keg, but you have a 400-pound bench. What You don't belong in the novice class. Being your f- in strong, man, if you can challenge yourself outside of that, mm-hmm. I get it. Now, it's a very blurry area because maybe if you go and open, you get hurt, and this is not your sport of choice, and you're doing this on the side. Okay, cool. But be honest with yourself. And the coach should be very honest with you. Why are you doing this in the first place? Uh-huh. Are you doing this as a weekend fling so you can go on Instagram and say you're a strong man now because you did novice? Mm-hmm. Cool. Then be truthful with yourself and respect it when you speak about it. In my opinion, a novice lifter should be somebody who has moderate skill set and moderate uh, skill acquisition and below. Once you start to tip the scales you probably have the strength or the effort to go into the open class. Yeah. Now, this is what happens up being a very personal story. If you're very strong and very skilled and you don't want to push yourself, you don't belong in this sport. And that's something you have to take up in with yourself. I mean, maybe you're just a fucking pussy. Um, and that's, that's pretty much what I would say. If a, a powerlifter coming into strongman who's generally strong 
but the open classes are just going to get you hurt, man, okay, novice, yeah. good for you. Once you compete in novice and you place top three and you're doing something like that, good. You yeah. don't belong in that novice class anymore. Actually, that was a that was a conversation I had for a long time because I knew I wasn't strong enough for the classes. And I also, 2018, I tore my labrum and my rotator cuff. Yep. And I knew that that pressing, that's why that pressing yeah. event meant so much because I I worked for a year. I remember you couldn't press anything over I couldn't lift a bar mm-hmm. at all. And it was so frustrating because I had, I mean, it's not huge, but I had, I had hit 225 for a single yeah, before I got hurt. Yep, I remember. And then, like a fool, I didn't respect 135 as a warm-up. And <sighs> bop! And all of a sudden, the right arm was stuck on my chest, and the left arm was going up. And I'm like, wait a this minute. This is not how it works. So, um, after a lot of discussions with you and JT, we were talking about weight and where I sit comfortably, because I sit at about 255 pounds roughly yep 255 260 that's a comfortable weight for me right and we're like well heavy cutting to heavy. 231 for your first comp ever is going to be brutal on you because you've never done it and if you go heavyweights you're gonna die i'm not even gonna move anything well you're gonna get hurt yeah yeah and so i would say to him also is seek the guidance of people who can really look at you and be able to tell you for real hey dude this is what's for you. That's a good that's a good look for guidance from experienced people in the sport. Right. right. People and who have earned their experience. Mm. Thank you for that. You're welcome. And somebody who's doing the sport like now. Right. That's still involved. Things have changed. Sports sure. evolve. Mentalities evolve. So good question. You want to go to the next question or Absolutely. you got a, no, a live one? No, I'm good. Actually, the live one was just about the song. Everyone's just watching me like a bunch of creepers. Ah. <sighs> So weird. A lot to watch. And I just like hear boyers. Let the boy watch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Disgusting. Okay. So (laughs) Rebecca uh, asks, I like this question actually, believe it or not. And this has nothing to do with me, so I'll have to shut up, which is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) What habits did you have to develop to become the coach and business owner that you are? And I would say... She means it as in today, mm-hmm. not that you are as of this year or <laughs> last month or whatever. I think to today. That's a flattering question to say the least in the sense that I'm viewed as a businessman and everything like that. Um, I think the, mm-hmm. that the habits I had to develop were from the failures that I consistently faced. And the habits that I developed were ones that would help me persevere through bad decisions. I could not pinpoint habits um, other than what is almost obvious in the sense of courage, perseverance, passion, love. These are wide-ranging ideas, wide-ranging philosophies that have an umbrella of, you know, sub-category of other things to consider. Love can have work, effort, passion within itself, obviously, loss, sacrifice. But more importantly, I did not develop so much habits as much as I developed paths that I continuously have to work to stay on. I don't have one thing to say, for example, you know, be on time. Okay, but that for me is part of being disciplined. It is also part of being passionate. If you're passionate about something, you're not late. If you love something or someone, you're not late to help them. 
I wouldn't say habits as much as, although I'm not saying that that's what it's defined to, but it's most certainly paths that I continuously have to walk on, but are all forward and are all part of the same thing. Sometimes I'm walking through water. Sometimes I'm walking on flats. Sometimes life is easy and the sun smiles on my face and it's a beautiful cloudy day and I can enjoy the wind. And sometimes I want to die on a mountain peak, scared for my life, crying by myself and pushing forward through rocks and mud. I don't understand sometimes how these things happen. I can't write these in words, and I wish I could write a book sometimes, maybe I will, about how I'm supposed to push forward to these habits and more paths. I developed these paths because I often failed. A lot, a lot, a lot of failures. And I developed these paths from falling on my knees and pushing forward. I would say that these paths are guided by philosophies and ideas. I'm an emotional, passionate man, that is often not defined by single things because I'm so self-destructive <laughs> and sometimes volatile that it's not easy for me to be defined by one thing. My efforts, my passion, me as a man is not defined by a singular thing. It is defined by consistently fighting forward on many different variations. I have many habits, many talents. I can do many things, but it's always a push forward that is making me better. So if you really want to define as habits, I can tell you that general outlines continue to be discipline, motivation, passion, love, these things and ideas that are older than us as human beings that are being talked about as for thousands of years are things that I continuously try to define and make my own going forward. And I hope that makes sense. It's a much longer answer than I expected. But that's who I've become to find myself as a man and going forward and both an athlete and a businessman because they're both the efforts and paths that drive me forward as an athlete will drive me forward as a businessman and vice versa. When to be the businessman, when to be the athlete, things like that. They will eventually have to intersect. Absolutely. And then part ways. Absolutely. Like for example, passionate. If you're a passionate business person, you can be passionate about business, but you can't be so passionate that you lose money. Mm -hmm. It's business. I'm like, oh yeah, no, everyone can train for free. No, fuck no. Give me my money. <laughs> we got to go from there. Uh, give us our money. Yes. So that you have a place to train. Exactly. But you ah, still have a shelter over here. So that, that, to answer that question, I, I suppose habits is a, a good word too, but maybe a subcategory of I follow philosophies mm. that are more attuned to my character. I am, uh, I would hope, not easy to define as a man, but uh, defined by my actions. And actions tend to be a wide-ranging things. Even my, Jesus, even my bad ones. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to be very raw and open. You know, it's, it's self-destructive behavior is something I fight with consistently. And that's part of what makes me a good businessman and athlete. I know the bad side of things. I know the scumbag friends I hang out with and the terrible nights of bad and stupid decisions, right? Mm. Well, I'm not going to hide from that. Yeah, that's sure. part of my path forward. You wouldn't, you wouldn't put self-destructive behavior as a habit of a successful businessman or athlete, but it's a real thing. Sure. And although it's not a positive habit um, going forward, if you view it as a perspective of growth and a, and a stepping stone, well, shit, then it's really just overcoming obstacles and it's part of this philosophy of going forward, if that makes sense. Do you think that because you don't prioritize yourself as much, that it becomes easier to be self-destructive? Yeah. I believe that. <laughs> Good question. I believe that my self-destructive behavior comes from a long psychological um, path of consistently trying to prove myself. Uh, and 
it's that wolf that's a very big wolf in my life in my mind is prove myself to myself yeah and you know if we go out drinking i want to prove that i can drink more than anyone all the time for myself sure that's not necessarily competing with you i'm competing with me which is the worst thing to do because <laughs> i'm the most competitive fuck in the world right yeah that's just a that right there is you know weakness yeah um, it, it's it is what it is self-destructive behavior in my opinion psychologically comes from Sometimes a real big lack of self-confidence. It comes from a, a dwelling in a, a weak state of vulnerability, like swimming in the, the, the deep end of it. Yeah. Um, and this, over, uh, this almost concept of, of, man, if I push hard enough and I fucking go hard enough, then when things go bad, like, I'm used to it. Yeah, sure. You know? Um, and so it, that's part of my characteristic. Am I getting better at it? Fuck yeah. And you think that the the mindfulness practice has taught you to obviously prioritize business and and ath- you yourself as an athlete but also uh you personally yeah and so what are some ways that you can apply cuz obviously you're not prioritizing yourself you're not right you can't yeah it's possible. because if you want to be a great gym owner and a great coach i can't be an athlete you can't be an athlete and or you can't athlete. necessarily be great to yourself. Right. But how, what are the ways that you keep yourself at least on a level where you're not literally just throwing yourself out completely? Good question. Um, I suppose when I look around myself, I'll tell you what makes me get there and then I'll tell you what I do when I get there. When I look around myself and I see my lifters going through life and getting better in inside of the gym, that is motivation for me to never give up. Okay. When I see that they're getting their lifts, but also being successful in life as a person and their jobs and their confidence and their personalities emerging like this blossoming flower, like, yo, you are developing as a young man or young woman. Yeah. I feel like, okay, like that's motivation for me. That's why I believe motivation is so important. That helps me put the bottle down sometimes. It helps me drive home safe. It helps me stay home on a Saturday. It's helped me walk away from some terrible crossroads in my life and get out of the car and call somebody and reach out to my friends and be like, don't be a piece of shit, Michael. Like, people depend on you now. Mm-hmm. Like, people, and I'm going to use this word respectfully, people need you. It's incredible for a man to admit that he needs to be needed. Most of us don't like to talk about that. We want to be wanted. right? We want to be uh, lusted after. We want to be put... But to feel truly needed is an incredibly vulnerable thing to feel. But it's also an incredible motivator to keep living. In that aspect, I understand now that the only balance there is is to continuously, again, fight. I don't have any other answer than to fight forward. Some days I'm a better businessman. And I make great money and I make great strides financially <laughs> and it's cool to buy things that I like now and it's cool to give my mom money and it's cool to help them out and my friends and everything. It's good to go on there and go, I got this and it's a fucking $200 tab and you, I mean, for me, it's money. Sure. And some days <laughs> I'm terrible. I might spend frivolously and I might forget to collect money or not buy something or not clean the gym and that day maybe I'm a better athlete. And I hit a PR deadlift because instead of working on emails for five hours, 
I decide to take a nap for two hours. I decide to cook a steak. I decide to watch motivational videos for hours on end. I decide not to return texts or emails because I don't want to deal with it because the deadlift that's happening at 3 o'clock is bigger than life and it's the most important thing in the world for me. And then I wake up on a Thursday and I'm answering 15 emails and 200 texts a day of people that need me, yeah. of friends that are like in a bad place or family members that need me to call them at a 3 o'clock in the afternoon to help them out with something I wish they would have fucking told me yesterday. So guess what? I got to be a bigger son today. Yeah. I got to be a better brother. I got to be a better boyfriend. I got to be a better fucking uh, leader. Fuck it. So what happens to my lifts? They crumble. And that's another cube I'm giving out of myself. So it's not that I have this. Uh, I don't have a balance in the sense. My balance is in the effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important. To, every day is different. And to understand that if you want to believe in the present moment, some days I wake up and I need to take time for myself. And I'm I'm good with that now. I was not better with it before but sometimes i'm better and some days you can feel it in the air i don't care about anything but my lift Mm -hmm. that's i mean people i am like the the anxiety is palpable of people i'm like man jesus mike's so fucking really pissed off or something i'm like no i'm just that focused because i'm gonna do something today yeah sure and some days i'm like well training's easier today hey how were you like what's up let's talk about your imbalances it's a daily struggle and it's a struggle that i'm sure will tip eventually when i stop being so much of an athlete and start focusing on being a better coach. Um, I'm going to stop the live feed because you guys are getting all the good shit too. <laughs> um, Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. For, <laughs> um, but in true story, I think that's important for me to tell you as far as uh, that, again, the fight is in the imbalance and accepting that every day is different yes. for now. And that might be not great for business, but it also may not be great. It might be good for being an athlete, and and that struggle was very real. Eventually, I understand that this t- this scale will tip. Yeah. And guess what? The only way I'll be good with it is if I gave it my all every day. So it's a cycle of great effort. That write that down. <laughs> That's awesome. A cycle of great effort. I mean, that is really just what life is about, right? Yeah. Sure. It doesn't. I mean, if it was to be defined by my destination. That's like being rich and being wealthy, right? <laughs> you know, rich is obviously a financial number, and wealthy is the feeling and the things that are generated by what you're doing, working for. Right. I would consider myself extremely wealthy, but I could be very rich if I was a better businessman. Yeah, or a better scumbag. Oh, what? I don't know if I can get any better at that. <laughs> we <laughs> could really certainly good. try. Yes. <laughs> Day drinking. <laughs> well, yes. Yes, I was asking a good question. Um and I thought that was a, a good point to, to bring up because I get asked that a lot about differentiating the lines between coach and athlete and, and, sure. and these different concepts. So um, good. I like that little transition, by the way. I think it's important to understand that both paths take an extreme mastery of vulnerability. And mastery is, a, is a, an incredible lifelong process. Right. Um, and I've recently become okay with that. Yeah, sure. If I say recent, I mean within the last two years. It took me 32 years of life and a very, very difficult year for me to understand that the rest of my life, whether it's one day or 30 years, is going to be a consistent fight. And it's not about winning that fight because what if it ends before I can win? 
But at least when it ends, I'll know, man, I gave every round 100%. I didn't make it to round 12. But when it ended at 8, you're like, that was a bad motherfucker. Isn't, and I'll say it to myself, too. Isn't winning in your effort, though? True. And I, I don't want to cut that down. Winning is winning. Yeah. I'll be real. As an athlete, winning is winning. But maybe we can say there's more types of winning. Sure. And this is, please, I would hate to even think this is a fucking participation medal. I would hope that this comes from a side of wisdom. And typically, maybe a younger lifter may not agree with me. But certainly, older lifters or at least more seasoned lifters are understand that there are several ways of winning. There is winning first place. That's winning. Sure. There's winning because you got there. There's winning because you didn't quit. There's winning because you're not a fucking pussy. There's winning because you stuck to the plan. Because I know people that have lost that battle. Yeah. And so it's it's a forward momentum into understanding that there's a lot of weight of taking personal victories. It is a war of attrition. It is a trench warfare. A war is a nice once you capture the capital, you won the war. But you're winning battles every fucking day. Or guess what? You're losing them. You know, and I, in my mind, I'm a, I'm a, I like history a lot. And World War One is a sign of this it, like habitual, ridiculous trench warfare of going back and forth over and over with mass casualties mm. and gaining nothing. And the winning could be a trench that moved five feet. And in my mind, that's what I feel like it is. But it's also losing. And uh, if I lose 10 battles but I don't quit, well, I won. So it's like, uh, how do you regain your trench after you've progressed five feet? Yeah, or how do you regain your trench when you go back ten feet? Ugh. And I believe, in my mind, that courage comes from the push forward after being pushed back. And it's it's easy to push forward when things are going your way. It is very easy to smile when life is on your side. I don't, it's not, I don't I, it's not that I don't respect gifted people or people that have everything given to them. I don't want to negatively condone or negatively like, disrespect these people. Some people just have shit and they're good with it. But if you're asking me as a coach and as a lifter, as a warrior, as a man or whatever, when I see you face adversity is when I am judging you, I guess you can say, or, or observing you on how you're going to stand up and push forward. That defines you as a person to me. That defines you whether I'm going to keep you close. And whether or not you're actually somebody who's going to win at life. Because you most certainly can lose at life. Sure. And I love the sport of strongman. And honestly, any sport, man. Honestly, a lot of sports. I just chose strongman for this because I feel like it exudes what I feel. But how you challenge yourself in that adversity. And going back to why the max carries are so important to me. I suppose I would suppose I would say that that's what I'm looking for, and more importantly, what I'm looking for within myself. And it's like, it's like, do I have what it takes? Do I have the ability to push forward? Am I okay with saying I'm not okay with this? You know, or, or I'm scared. Fuck, I'm worried. When when before I would push these feelings away, and drown them in successful things like winning and being strong and all this shit, and avoiding them until it was too late. Or sitting with them for a moment and being like, well, why are you nervous? Why are you scared? I don't want to get hurt. Well, when did that become an issue? Well, it is an issue. I've been hurt so much. And I can, I'm talking to myself all the time. Mm-hmm. And in that battle, in that trench warfare, sometimes I go back and sometimes I go forward. I believe I like to say this because I, in my heart, I believe all of us go through this. And 
I suppose the only day it's going to go away is when I'm fucking in the dirt. And I've recently come to understand that I'm really okay with that. And it's that daily thing that I think it defines us as athletes and as men and women. We need to keep that fire burning. And sport is the easiest way to throwing fucking dry wood in that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Makes sense. Yeah, and I feel, I feel fucking... And I feel really fucking good about that. And um, I want to... Oh, Johnny, I, I'm going to draw this to a close in the sense because I feel like, first of all, I think we had a great show. <laughs> Cheers. Um, but it, it, it's, it's something that I wanted to bring up at the end because it's important. <sighs> first of all. We so had refreshing. <laughs> when it hits your lips again. We had discussed uh, the, the climb up and the dig down. I remember commenting that to you often. And I believe in this show there's something that has been a little bit more successful and a little bit open to all of us and then saying that when you have something that's bigger than you and you understand that in your soul, you're going to start to transcend things that are going to get very scary. And within that fear, within that, that fall back, and within that push forward again and that resurgence, you're going to find things out about yourself that no one needs to know but only you. And when you have that voice in your head, when you're at home at night, that is when your character is being proven to yourself. When you're laying your head at night in the dark and there's no one next to you, you are doing your 600-pound deadlifts. Not once, not twice, but thousands and thousands of times every day. Something reminding you that there's something in your heart that is impossible. That impossibility will draw fear from you. It will draw doubt. It will draw this terrible resentment and hatred, not for anyone else but yourself, because it is your voice in your head that is telling you you can't do something. Not once and not twice, but thousands of times every fucking day. And it's given you the opportunity to fight for something for yourself every day and every second. I say it because that's my life. I say this because it's genuine truth that this is what I do when I lay my head at night and I'm plugging this CPAP in my fucking nose, proving to myself that I am no longer the young wolf, that I have vulnerabilities and weaknesses and injuries that never go away anymore, and that going downstairs pain-free is actually a PR. And it's not a joke to me, and it's sad. And I'm okay with this sadness because it's every day that I get to be reminded that I have something to fight forward for that some people have given up on this fight, that some people will never face themselves or these wolves in their mind clawing and scratching and nipping and yelping and roaring right in your fucking ear and you're supposed to give up? I can't. I don't think I can. Why? Because if you ask me what it is to be a warrior, it's because I can see around me. Because I can feel it in my bones, the crackling of the fire, the men behind me, the women behind me, those who will stand with me, next to me, and those beautiful souls that are getting in my way. So if you want me to really understand what it is about pushing forward, I suppose it's because every fucking day and every fucking night I get a chance to go to battle a thousand times. And that is Valhalla. This is MDLP. This is the Battle Axe Podcast saying, don't be a fucking pussy. Everything ends. <laughs>